Welcome, everybody, to the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. New chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. Ooter spagooter. Ooter spagooter. The Zoom said something. Right as I was turning back to look at it, it went uh, away. Okay, that's weird. The ghost is back. Fucking ghosts, man. Something good for ya. And welcome to this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast, where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and across from me, as always, well, not as always anymore. I know. I've been on more episodes than you have, motherfucker. Ha ha! It's like, I started off with just me and <laughs> Steve. Ah, that's true. That's true. You've done more in general. So Yeah. It's just, I've just started doing a lot more in general. And uh, this is one of the many cool things I get to do. So it's awesome. Yes. Captain Nunn is back. <laughs> oh, man. And we don't have Mikey with us today. He's too much of an asshole. He hogs the microphone too much. He talks too much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he tries Cap to steal ser- shows from me and <laughs> Cap had to had get a serious, my phone back. Cap had a serious look on his face. I was joking. It's still hard to get him to talk on these episodes. Shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. But, hey, oh, well. It's been, a, it's been a minute since we've had one for us, so we just got to have one for us. Yeah. Just kind of like unpack uh, our little housekeeping deals over here, too. Yeah. And uh, th- this week is just, god damn, this week has just really gone by. And because of that, I don't really have much planned for the episode so i really feel like this was just gonna be kind of a free flowy go by the seat of our pants but as always the show is brought to us by repo record down on commonwealth avenue which i do recommend checking them out at www.reporecord.com for all your new and used vinyl record needs and if you're on that social media you can give us a follow at something gfy and while you're at it follow them at repo record they're always posting about their new releases and the new used records that come in and they've always got some good turntables and receivers and speakers and cassette tapes and DVDs goddamn, and live shows turntables microphones all that good stuff all the shit you need headphones they got headphones they got all kinds of like uh, Hell, I don't know. cool merch shit too oh yeah you can even find like fucking patches there yeah and they support the local scene they have live shows there they they stock local records But and Jimmy he's basically you just say hey y'all to carry this band and if he listens to it and he likes it he winds up carrying it so he wound up carrying the biter shit because i turned him on to them yep and he wound up selling them out too so thankfully uh it, it worked out for him because it's a damn good band <laughs> i miss him Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. And as our listening audience knows, uh, we also have a voicemail hotline, and that voicemail hotline number is 513-463-7439, where you can call us any time of the day, any time of the night, and leave us a question, a comment, concern, topic idea, any of that stuff. And we wind up putting it on a fun little segment called What's on Your Mind? Yes, yes. Uh, we didn't get a lot, but you know what? 
quality over quantity, I say. Right. The couple that we got was fucking great. <laughs> Whether it's you shitting on us or talking about your dreams. That's right. <laughs> we do have a few dream. Uh, we have a dream voicemail. Uh, we have another nefarious character that called back. But as always, the Rock Father has a question for us. So why don't we lead off with what a little bit of what does the Rock Father have to say? The Rock Father says... Hey guys, this is the Rock Father. I know you're probably going to take some grief over what you tell me, but I'm wondering if you can give me one band that's a guilty pleasure. See you guys. <sighs> Damn it. <laughs> I, the thing is, I don't have guilty pleasures. I love everything that I love. I'll um, wear that shit on my sleeve if I have to. Yeah. You know um, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I would say there's a uh, there's a little bit of a fine line for me. Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff that people would maybe consider a guilty pleasure that I like that I would wear on my sleeve. Right. But like Kiss, there for a while that was what I considered a guilty pleasure because I'd say maybe even five years ago it was still kind of uncool to like Kiss, you know. But it's like you know now I've kind of just worn it and started accepting it a bit more, and you know I still get shit for Kiss it. Kiss is really a good example care. because they're the ultimate geek culture band oh absolutely they're steeped in that shit so i was like yeah I, I, I at one point considered kiss a guilty pleasure but I'm, I'm enjoying wearing it a bit more on the sleeve now well I, so it was makes sense though yeah because i feel that way every now and then because you find out you you, you like uh, paul stanley and gene simmons less and less as people yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that just comes back to separating the art from the artist exactly which people seem to forget with that in mind, though, what's one of your guilty pleasures, then? Uh, it's just, I know a lot of people don't like Rush, but I fucking love Rush. Really? I, I don't know. I, that was one of my gateway rock bands, too. I was expecting something a little juicier than that. Oh, if you, were, oh, if you want to get juicier, then uh, fucking, uh, I'm a big Journey fan, too. I fucking love Journey. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I don't Those know, are some that, good that songs. Feels, I don't know. That feels like that falls. that still falls under the category of something that would make sense for you to like. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm okay. expect, I was expecting to hear like, you know, I really like fucking Katy Perry. You know, that, uh, that I think that may be kind of where he's getting at. Like, what would be something totally out of the box that every so often you'll put on that? Like, you know, that the, that probably, would probably be maybe a the, guilty pleasure, in my opinion. OK, with. uh well, that's the thing, though. Like I said, I really don't have any guilty pleasures. Like if I'm really into somebody's work, I'm really into somebody's work. Like I'm not a George Michael fan at all, but. He's got one or two songs that I really like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd say that falls a little more in the category. What about maybe like the artist that's like, you know, I really don't like their overall catalog, but I kind of like this song. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about George Michael and a lot of, um, <laughs> man, yeah, a, a lot of 80s pop songs. People, yeah, yeah. So like I, I would I would say that one for me in general would be uh, 80s new wave. Yeah, uh, I, I would say that that's kind of my overall guilty pleasure. That may not be too much of a guilty pleasure. That may be something a bit more, you know, overall like accepted or something. But due to me liking that, that can also make me fall down a rabbit hole of like a lot of like pop rock and like disco rock like oh elect yeah like electric six and the fratellis and you know it's stuff, a nice stuff that kind of has like you know that dancey disco beat to it but it's still rock and roll you Danko know jones does that shit all the time uh, that's true that's true kick snare kick snare kick snare i'm talking about maybe things that are a bit more on the nose with it 
Like, right. like some of that Fratelli shit. I'm talking about like the vibe and the you know the, uh, the overall rhythm pattern of it. Oh yeah, the overall rhythm pattern. But I'm talking about like when it comes down to even the production because you can keep a rhythm pattern. Just it all comes down to the way of glam shit. Like the way, but the way it's produced, like. Um, you know, you you can have a drummer playing a disco beat all day long, but it, you can put it to a metal riff and it sound you know metal. But if you all of a sudden take those drums and make them sound electric, yep, you know, like an electric drum kit, now it's got a different tone to it. So that's even what I'm talking about. Like bands like the Fratellis don't really go for an organic drum sound on some of their new recordings. A lot of it is a synthesized kind of feel to it and there's nothing wrong with that no there isn't and I, I thoroughly enjoy it but i would still maybe list that as my guilty pleasure because okay. it wouldn't it wouldn't fall under you know maybe a typical th- range of rock and roll metal classic country punk rock that maybe oh. i listen to on the regular okay well in that in that filter i'm a huge fan of just old school hip-hop as far as production and uh where it came yeah, from but and you, the you, fucking... don't, you don't hide that when you wear that on your sleeve that you can't call that a guilty pleasure oh, yeah. i don't really wear my 80s new wave or disco rock on my sleeve as much <laughs> i'll have like the one the one or two uh wu-tang clan and uh tribe called quest shit on every now and then dude look at your fucking facebook post you you quote that shit all the time you can't say that shit's a guilty oh pleasure. i'll share the fuck out of it. <laughs> my ultimate goal ever in uh, making records is to do the thing that they used to do in the 80s with uh, where they would uh, take pieces of tape together and just pick apart samples and filter filter it through uh, the old school samplers they had and just mm-hmm. fuck with that some. Oh no, that and that's always the cool shit about that, especially since you're getting into the whole music production thing. If you listen to that classic hip hop, there was a lot more uh, craftsmanship and art that went into it than what you hear coming out of uh, current day hip hop or rap. That's artists. a whole other science and a whole other approach. That's just fascinating. And that's as a hell. whole other podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually be fun to. Um, I've been really brainstorming on just fun people to bring in. I, I want to bring in a um, a comedian friend of ours. Uh, and now, now thinking on that, I think it'd be fun to pull in like a rap artist because we definitely know a few rap artist friends. Oh, for sure. And kind of get them to talk about maybe where the craftsmanship comes into it because I'll loan up to it and I'll tell him, you know, when he comes here, you know, that it feels like uh, rap to me is a lazy art form so i would be very interested in hearing from him a rebuttal to that i would love to have a good conversation with, with somebody that actually does that because I mean, i'm very open to having my mind changed it just to me very, feels very lazy it's you know? a whole it, that's a like you said it's a whole other process process and a whole other podcast oh and yeah no, a i'm not trying to go down that, that rabbit too. hole yeah. i'm not trying to i'm just saying from my it's own, definitely not lazy <laughs> from my opinion it is and, and that's I why this, i would like to be I, I am very open to having my mind changed i i'm very strong on my opinion but i'm also very open so i'm absolutely. just i'm throwing out different ideas i'm getting the pot stirring if there's anyone out there that would like to come on in and have a conversation with us I would love to hear from you. Come on in, give us a phone call or whatnot. So I need to take notes. <laughs> and speaking of calling in, this guy, I fucking love this guy. Train Man called back. Fuck. <laughs> train Man is probably my, probably my new favorite human. Let's see what Train Man's got for us this week. Hey, y'all, this is Train Man. I'm currently cruising at light speed through the galaxy on my space train. That's right, I'm on the space train, headed to the space rodeo, or you can find me, Train Man, rolling fucking Thunder Boy. You know what I'm talking about. 
Rolling that lightning, son. Yeah, get you some of that good shit. Know what I'm talking about? Of course you don't, because this is intergalactic space talk. You don't know what the fuck I'm about. I'm Train Man, and this is something good for you. Woo woo! Holy shit! <laughs> I want to go to the space rodeo. I have a theory on who this guy is now. <laughs> After swearing off Joe Rogan for years, I wound up watching that Joe Rogan, Alex Jones. Dude, I OD'd on fucking Joe Rogan this week. I never thought I would I say that out loud. I think this is Alex Jones. I think Alex Jones is prank calling us. He really is. <laughs> this fucker. Alex Jones never clears his voice and neither does Train Man. Nope. <laughs> I swear. And with the shit that he's spewing out. Trust me, this isn't about to go down that. Y'all can listen to that <laughs> podcast if you want. I'm not even touching that bullshit. Uh, this is that's literally all I can think of here in this. I'm like, what the fuck? Why is Alex Jones prank calling us now? <laughs> He's talking with uh, the aliens that he uh, that he loves hyping up. That's, that makes all the sense in the world now. <laughs> but holy shit, Train Man, rolling that fucking thunder, boy. <laughs> I want to know what the space train looks like. If, I want to see the space train. If somebody get if somebody could get a photo of that or something. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Train Man. You are always welcome to call us back anytime. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we are always taking phone calls of your weird dreams. And a new listener has called in with a weird dream, and this one's a long one. I do have to say, <laughs> this is a pretty long one, so hang so in. His, so his dreams are just detailed as fuck. Right. I'm, mine are never that detailed by memory. Mine are, but I just didn't go into this fucking detail for brevity, but <laughs> <laughs> this fucker's got a lot to say, so I guess they're going to play it. Uh, but no, uh, let's let's see what he's got to say. Hello, something good for you, boys. This is your new friend, Dream Theater uh, from New Mexico. <laughs> Nice pause. I want to share with you a dream. Hopefully, you can help decipher it for me. So, allow me to set the stage as I can recall it. I find myself waking up in bed, uh -huh. and I can smell eggs and bacon cooking downstairs. And I know that my beautiful lady. Okay, actually, real quick pause. Have you ever smelled anything in a dream? No, not that I can uh, that remember. That just hit me. Yeah, I've listened I've to this voicemail a few times dreams. just to kind of, you know, take it all in. But that's, I, I, I've, I, hmm, I feel like I have before. I know I've definitely smelled uh, like real life, like something that's happening in real life. I know I've definitely smelled that and it's translated to my dream. I don't know. I definitely never have food or I'm smoking or anything like that in my dreams at all. Really? You've never had a food dream? Nope. Hmm. Well, that's something we can get into later. Let's keep, let's keep it going. Let's keep this it going. isn't Dr. We, Phil. We, we may stop this a few times because, again, it's long. So there, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff Williams. You fucking hate that term. Hey, it's in the vocabulary, Jeff. Whatever, man. Call, call the fucking voicemail and tell me you got a problem with it. <laughs> let's keep it going here. It's cooking me breakfast. So I've woken up in a very good mood. But this seems different because it is not my house. And I'm looking down the hallway, and I can tell there's other rooms to where I have roommates. Mm -hmm. Well, one of those roommates begins to come out of their bedroom. And wouldn't you know who comes out of this bedroom? An absolute 11 out of 10 smoke show babe. Total babe. So, of course, she's not in sweatpants. She is in her 
unmentionables. Oh. And she looked sad. And I said, what's wrong? She said, I lost the job that I thought I was going to get. Okay. <laughs> Way to break the ice with that one. <laughs> what kind of business is this guy running? <laughs> what were you smoking before you went to sleep, dude? No, no I'm not talking about the uh, the caller. I'm talking about uh, his brand new roommate. Right. What kind of job is this guy running? Where if like all of a sudden you're waking up in the morning and and chicks all depressed. I didn't get a job. <laughs> Okay. Well, That's like the most random occurrence ever. <laughs> hey, it's a dream, man. It happens. Let's keep it going. I said, okay. And she walks into my room. Oh. And lays on my bed horizontally. But she's like looking at me. I said, well, what happened? And she said, the guy knew who I was and didn't want me to work there. So, well, how did he know you? She said he found me on a dating site. I said, well, what kind of dating site? And she said, well... It's a dating site for people with herpes. Okay. <laughs> Just the that madness is, continues. Now, is that a million-dollar idea? <laughs> you know. <laughs> is there a statistic as to what the numbers are with people I'm with herpes? Sh- I'm sure there is. I'm sure. It, it can't be small. <laughs> I, I, I know every time I hear people spewing out numbers, it's always like, you know, one of those one in five, one in three, you know. Yeah, shit like some that. Shit like that. Say, so, hey. <laughs> hey, get on it, Cap. <laughs> keep it going. And I said, okay, well, that sounds like a, a nice community. I mean, herpes is a bad thing that happens to good people. I get it. She goes, no, but he doesn't have herpes. He just likes to spray thinking that it's easy targets. I said, well, that's pretty gross. So I can tell at this point she's getting very mad that she has herpes. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go downstairs. And she goes, I have herpes. She does it really angrily. And I said, well, I've gathered this. And she goes, no, look. I said, I am not looking. And then she begins to pull down her unmentionables. And, of course, it's like watching a dog poop. You have to look. I looked, and there it was. I was like, oh, my God. And But she's angry that she has herpes. It's cost her her job. It's probably pretty uncomfortable. She then reaches down, touches her herpes, and says, if I'm going to have them, you're going to have them. And slaps <laughs> me in the terrifying. face. At this point, I turn in to the, what I could best recall, and I can't imagine what this felt like in bed, a fish out of water. I'm flopping. I'm flipping. I'm going, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> now He's apparently our voicemail only allows for a three minute message so it gets cut off there uh, but he did call immediately back and like a fucking pro just picks right up where he was so it continues and I sleep naked so I know she's about to try and touch my junk my twig and bear she sure as hell tries to reach down there cause you know a, a mouth herpes one thing ball herpes is another and as she reaches down, I haul off and punch her so hard I knock her tooth out. I remember Mikey saying he's had that dream where he tries to punch somebody. I have that dream almost all the time, except for herpy dream. I actually knocked this girl out. So I run downstairs, and everyone's acting like nothing happened. And I'm like, well, do I tell my sweet lady that this has gone down? I mean, it was 
there was a girl in my bed, but it wasn't my fault. Do I now tell her that I probably have mouth herpes? Like, what do I do here? What a conundrum. So I end up, long story short, I end up taking her to court, and her dad tries to sue me. And he's like, I found this broken fingernail, which means you were really aggressive with her. And I just said, look at my fingernails, man. None of them were broken. He's like, well, then what happened? I was like, I don't know. All that your herpy daughter slapped me in the face. She's going to prison. Boys, I need help with this one. Tell me what happened. This is uh, your friend, Dream Theater from New Mexico. I'm out. Thank you, Dream Theater from New Mexico. <laughs> it's like the mu- it's like the music. It's just shreddy and and long as hell. Oh wow! <laughs> so he wants us to decipher that one. I think we kind of unpacked little bits of it. Uh, here and there. Uh, but again, listeners, if you do have any sort of strange dream, question, comment, concern, anything you got to give us, just call the voicemail number any time of the day. That number again is 513-463-7439. So, Mr. Dream Theater, what the fuck was that? Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, let's, so, if we got to decipher that sum. So, he wakes up. It's no longer his house. It's a new house. I think everyone's kind of had that sort of dream before. Have you ever had that? Uh, it's just, <laughs> that's like, the, I love how people are just wired differently like that. You're just going to get all kinds of just weird shit that just make no sense whatsoever. Okay. But <laughs> I asked you the question. I was, talking, I was talking about the thing just overall. It's just okay, like, there's okay. a lot to pick apart. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, I'm, what I was asking though, is like, have you ever had that weird dream of like, where you, yeah, it's definitely been different locations and living in different houses and shit like that. I have those all the time. Yeah. So, so I'd say that's, that was pretty normal. Um, but then, uh, waking up new roommate. So is this, it seemed like you didn't know who that guy was. So yeah. that's at least a plus. So I have I, strangers in my dream all the time too. Okay. I never remember like faces and names and shit. So so I, I'm I'm really stuck on the job thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's really bummed out that she's not getting the job, and it wasn't fully. Maybe I just didn't get it in the, his voicemail. But did he? hire her and then find her on the app later or because it, it was, like sounded a, like to me that he was finding girls on the app to hire and then would just fuck them and then not hire them it's like uh the dream version of or uh, the dream narrative is all quentin tarantino style where it's all just out of order and shit <laughs> maybe that's my dumb ass is not fully understanding maybe he explained he explained it perfectly clear and we're just sitting here going <laughs> to, him it was, to him it was perfectly clear yes. in that mindset <laughs> so on to the herpes thing and having to so so i would wrap that part let's let's kind of maybe tackle that one with his end piece talking about you know how to explain to his lady uh what maybe all that would mean all tied together um mm, that's a tough one because it not, almost to me maybe feels like there's a little something in the back of your mind that's manifesting itself through the yeah, dream. Yeah, what are you trying to hide from us, uh, Dream Theater? <laughs> Other than shitty guitar riffs and songs that bore me to death. <laughs> oh, that's like my brother's favorite band, too. 
That's all I'm it. Will. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like I, I don't want to. I want to put in no, no bad stuff on you, but maybe that feels like some stuff that maybe got some skeletons in that. Yeah, dude. Where are you trying to hide from us? You're you're getting all defensive on it. You're you're trying to like attack. Uh, we I'm we gotta going, know, man. Maybe maybe we need to call the cops. <laughs> Calm down, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm just sitting here going, look, maybe there's just a little something nagging in the back of his mind, especially if this is a real. It may just dream. be a small thing. Yeah. Yeah, what if it is recurring? Maybe, the, or maybe it's just one of those that he just one of the few that he has that's just so clear that you can't forget that kind of shit. Have you ever had super clear dreams like that? Oh yeah, and they're always like the weirdest shit that make no sense like that yeah. too. Like I remember having one where Christopher Walken flipped me off, and that was the tell me the that dream. one. That's like the one part that was clear as day. Really? Just yeah. Christopher Walken flipping you. Off. It's like the jump scare dreams. <laughs> no, I've had random moments in dreams like that, like. Uh, probably a reoccurring like thing that will happen in a dream is I'll be arguing with someone and I'll say like I'll I'll say something to the contrary and then that person says nah reinforcing what they originally said while proving it and yeah. it's something completely off the wall where it could be something like uh, grab that red can opener and they're like it's not red it's green I'm like no it's red and when they pick it up and hand it to me now it's green you know it could be like something as basic as that that happens in my dreams a lot and I wonder if it's just how different uh, how people are really wired where just that where shit like that happens in their dreams that makes no sense to anybody but themselves maybe so that sounds like one of these dreams that fucking dream theater is talking about yeah <laughs> that's a tough one though this is the weird part of the dream though because it feels like it got cut off right at that moment yeah when he knew he would have to do the confrontation that's happened to me too and i've also had dreams where when it gets to the confrontation it's almost like static like I get to the point of like, so if I were having that dream, once I finally made it downstairs and looked at my lady and had to explain, hey, look, I have this mouth like this is how, like, right. this is where, how my, where this, that cuts off where it's like, oh, God, and you wake up and you go, I don't have to do that. Well, not even that, <laughs> but it's like once I explain what happens, like everything around just kind of like stops and I'm still like kind of sitting there just kind of looking around going uh 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 and at that point i'll either wake up or what happens earlier there'll be a truth shift it, where where she'll go no i saw you in bed with her and then i'm going no that didn't happen and now all of a sudden that roommate is going yeah i walked in on you having sex with her that be eight hey. Truth that's, shift. that's where my dreams lead. They, they, my dreams betray me. I realized we had a term for it now. The fucking truth shift. <laughs> the truth shift. That, for some reason, it made perfect sense to me. I don't know. I dovetailed off on a complete false false no, dream a, I was having. But that, but that would be a basis for how my dreams go, though. But maybe I, not that extreme. Right. But that would be maybe an example. But it would still be just like off happens. the wall and would just yeah. be a soup of shit that makes no sense sense whatsoever oh yeah now that i think about it, there are a lot of dreams where people team up on me all of a sudden oh. <laughs> maybe maybe what i was saying is true maybe you got some shit you gotta unpack here man because i've always had a uh, that's always been a back-end thing for me where all of a sudden people are like fuck this guy <laughs> <laughs> it's like now we're talking about like fucking like bad shit <laughs> we're not we're not talking about bad shit but hell you, you've seen what happens i i, I fart and then people are like you <laughs> fuck this guy he's an asshole <laughs> 
I'm like, yes, I used my asshole and I farted. Yes. In your face. I fart in your general direction. I fart in your general direction. <laughs> oh, man. So moving out of the voicemails. Uh, like I said, man, it's been a busy week. I've only really got one thing for us. I hope you got some shit. I got some shit, man. Good, man. Am I dovetailing into this shit? Well, I'm dovetailing in first. Let me just get my one thing out of the way and just pass this off to you the rest of the damn episode. All right. Uh, so, and... and and this might actually tail into stuff that you may want to talk about. Um, and, and I actually have a little bit of basis of emotion for this, too, because uh, this kind of ties into music venues. Right. Uh, and John Hayes, which I still want to get him on an episode. We've got to figure that one out. Bring uh, bring your whiskey over and uh, get nutty with us like you did with Steve. Oh, God. Whiskey time part. Technically part two. Did like two. Two, we did two episodes. Well, we did the two episodes. Yeah, but it was still one session. This would be whiskey time number two. Now, John just needs to come in and just tell stories does, and just uh, talk about running the best venues in the history of Charlotte. And one of the things that uh, he would talk to me about uh, is the weird licensing that would happen for cover bands. Did he ever explain to you about that? No, I haven't. Uh, I don't know the science behind that, but I would okay. love to hear so, that. So ASCAP uh, basically has an umbrella thing that covers uh, large corporate acts. So if a cover band is playing music at Tremont when they were still there, uh, John would either have to, I, I may get these exact um details wrong but the general idea is that if anyone i'm actually save that i won't even go into detail the general idea is if you play a song from another band say we played strutter at tremont yeah that technically costs tremont money that makes sense they have to pay royalties to ascap for that so through it's like that, having a is it like having a jukebox that you pay for and things like that yeah basically and right now, ASCAP is suing 13 music venues for not paying the music license. Interesting. Nearly 88% of license fees ASCAP collects goes directly to the songwriters, composers, and music publishers as royalties. And the vice president of licensing, Stephanie, said in a statement, uh, what you, uh, when you see a patron at your business bobbing their head along to the music, you see firsthand the value music can add to any environment. Music plays a key role in creating an emotional connection with customers. Hundreds of thousands of businesses understand and accept that a music license is part of the cost of doing business. Our goal is to have a business comply with the law so that our members can be compensated for the use of their work. The establishment sued today have decided to not pay songwriters. By filing these actions, ASCAP is standing up for the songwriters whose creative work brings value to all businesses that perform their music. Okay. Now, to me, they're not hitting retailers playing radio songs. This isn't like Dillard's uh, put some new music in their playlist and is playing the music in the store because to go back to her quote, she was saying... Um, music plays a key role in creating an emotional connection with customers. Hundreds of thousands of businesses understand and accept that uh, that a music license is part of the cost of doing a business. Which is also uh, which is also very interesting. In so with, uh, to a venue, right? So of course a music venue is a business, but if the fill-ins go and play your music venue and play Strutter, is that? Uh, creating an emotional connection with customers or is that your customers enjoying the music performance that they paid for at the door 
But that's very interesting because of what uh, cover bands uh, normally get paid in their guarantees. I have a feeling just kind of being on the very outskirts of that and at least having friends that were doing cover bands. Yeah. I feel that they're, the cover bands themselves aren't having to pay any licensing. Now, they would have to pay licensing if they recorded a version of the song and released it. But not like to we go, did for Strutter. But not to exchange money to or like you have like a little uh, back and forth with the venue so they can play three hours worth of no i think that so the part that i was saying i'd feel like because he did explain that to me the information just didn't stick if i remember correctly there's basically just a flat fee you gotta pay okay i, I feel like I, I, I remember correctly there's just a flat fee that you pay and then that covers you for the month it's basically like a hulu subscription you know pay us this much every month and you're covered for you know i guess x amount of you know music i think a lot of those cover bands are under like certain entertainment groups anyway yeah so well not even well i mean some of the local bands that just do it you know but right. still get paid really well mm -hmm. so i wouldn't imagine those kind of bands paying any sort of royalties i feel like that's covered by the venue gotcha and like i said i may have that information a little bit wonky that's at least just from what i remember on i think that, there's a venue in raleigh where if you uh, go in to play a cover song they'll pull the plug on you immediately because of stuff like that mm -hmm. so you can either opt to not pay those licenses so actually let's bring it to that um, I can't think of the name of the club, but I know that's a, that's a rule in it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but with that in mind, thinking about it, how did even these places get caught? Because you have the yeah. option of not paying the royalty fee. So if you have the option of not paying the fee and then enlisting, you know, for bands, no covers to avoid this, how are they getting caught? Who's the narc? I guess that, that's the question. Who's the fucking narc? <laughs> I guess uh, that's just uh, maybe that's just them trying to build a reputation as a venue too. I, well, don't know. I, I just I want to just really do want to call bullshit on this because I feel that there's a big difference between a retail establishment playing a song recorded by a band and not paying those royalties. It's, it's definitely not fair. It's I don't think that yeah exactly. It's definitely not fair. If you if say we wanted to play Strutter, we'd have to the the. There'd have to be some sort of like a well, so, agreement and stuff like that too. I think that's I don't think that's fair, but well, okay, no. So so this is at least what I agree with. Um, so when we recorded Strutter and released it, we had to pay a royalty fee to Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. Right. Fine. Y'all wrote the song. You get the money. We love it so much that we're going to dovetail on it. We want our fans to listen to it, and we want our fans to hear our version of it. So, yes, we will pay you money for the access to be able to play the song that you wrote. That's cool. Totally agree. Uh, a radio station uh, that wants, like a very big radio station chain, uh, let's say Clear Channel, decides they want to start putting the fill-ins on rotation. Yes, give us some royalties for playing the song in your business, you and know, you wherever agree. or on the radio. And you don't agree with a venue having to work, like, don't work like, like that. I don't think that a venue should have to pay money because the fill-ins rolled in and decided to play Strutter. Right, exactly. That's that, what I'm trying to get at, too. Yeah, that that's, that's what I get annoyed with. I don't think that bands... Uh, see, that does get tricky, though, because... Now vocalizing it and putting my thoughts in actual thing, which is also why I love this medium. Um, yeah, because this is a very interesting business side of things. Oh, yeah. Now let's think about bands that all they do is try to mimic that band. There's, there's a yeah. lot of bands that are like Metallica tribute bands. Or like all every Kiss tribute band ever. And, and maybe that does fall in the category of, you know, hey, you know, well, 
I've never been one to say you've got too much money. <laughs> that's just the mild capitalist in me. I'm supporting capitalism. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not of that mindset of you know Get you sh- have too much money. It's like no, you you no, have your money. It's, it's one of those deals where it's still get your damn money. Yeah. So I'm not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it does kind of stem from a you know leave them alone if they're making just a few grand. But I mean that is still. And that kind of comes from maybe a personal opinion of you're piggybacking off the hard work of another band and getting a lot of money for your level out of it. Yeah, but some people just do that kind of stuff just because they enjoy it. Like, and that's true, but they're still making a lot of money off the popularity of another band. What do you think about like the uh, Max Sabbaths of the world? We covered that. Yeah, because it's a very odd business to to as far as licensing and uh, yeah, so, that I mean, side we, we kind of covered you know the these would be good john questions for sure oh yeah no so we, we kind of covered the cover bands on that episode and essentially what i was i was paraphrasing on that one was you know if you're taking it and making it something original like max sabbath i feel there's a little bit more validity to that but if you're a cover band that goes hey when you come see us you're seeing black album metallica or if you come see us you're seeing uh rock and roll over era kiss you know you're seeing bon scott era acdc david lee roth era van halen and shit like that i can understand some of the bands maybe getting a little prickly on that but Especially when the cover bands outplay the uh, current bands, which is uh, kind of the case half the time, too. I don't know. It is just a really odd thing. So I I don't... I don't agree with uh, the music venues having to pay that sort of fees. Yeah, I don't agree with that either. But I also understand the artist wanting to get a cut of something, especially if it's a band doing their music for the entire set in this yeah especially in this but day i feel like the phrasing of the lawsuit is a bit off and maybe that's what kind of rubbed me the wrong way about it might have been but especially because very- the wording of the lawsuit was very much in the phrasing of this is a you know restaurant chain playing music or say you know, if I, yeah, or, if I was running a bar, I wanted to play whatever the fuck I wanted to play. You would have to pay a royalty for that, and and I understand that, and I would be fine with that. And it would be a, it would run across the spectrum, like everything. It would too. just so be, I'd be paying of, a lot of money in royalties. <laughs> yeah, it would just it would, but it would be one of the many costs you incur running a bar. Exactly, you know, it, that just falls under that overhead. You just have to worry about. So I, I feel like a music venue has too already enough fucking overheads. Yeah. Last thing they need to worry about is ASCAP breathing down their neck if this fucking unknown rock and roll band rolls in and goes, "Hey, we like Kiss and we're gonna play Strutter." We're, so we don't know uh, very many songs, so we have to learn other people's we're a new band we don't know what we're doing we're the first time playing your venue we're gonna maybe play something that everyone knows so yeah you get a feel for our stuff and, and of course it's such a minuscule amount i mean john wasn't saying it was like you know astronomical it wasn't like a rent payment or nothing but yeah. it's, i don't know it just it, it still is tedious and annoying that's just some like just just ugly business bullshit on that and it sounds like i guess i could have been my thought to myself this week <laughs> no intro music no outro music for it no that was no that was very interesting though i can't wait to have john on to talk about that kind of stuff we got a lot of cool people idea lined up cap what you got for us this we, week? T- we, we were talking about cover vans and uh, how people want to go see david lee roth era van halen 
and uh, ODing on Joe Rogan podcast this week. David Lee Roth was another uh, guest he had on. Mm. He was about, I know, and I know you didn't listen to it because nope. I know you hate Van Halen. Yep. So I listened to it and I thought, okay. And Joe Rogan for the most part. I know. I don't, normally I don't binge on them that much either, but Alex Jones and David Lee Roth back to back, come on. <laughs> <laughs> now he had all, we were talking uh, earlier about, you know, trying to uh, maintain your creative side while quote unquote going corporate. Okay. Which is uh, what he's doing now with his, uh, he's doing tattoo cream. Okay. And it, it if like you listen to him, aftercare cream kind of stuff. Uh, aftercare cream, yeah, because right, yeah. he's got Japanese tattoos, yeah, just yeah, up, yeah, and he's yeah, got I like the tuxedo that. and shit like that. And if you listen, I think you should listen to the episode. You would like, you would enjoy How David Lee Roth afterwards. It? <laughs> it's about three hours. Oh, it's God. like Alex Jones. Exactly, my brain is mush I was gonna afterwards. Say, it's like I can only take so much of Joe. That's my problem. I could listen. I, I listen to fucking. I've listened to a Smodcast all day long, just multi multi part episodes of that shit. I can listen, I can listen to a whole. I don't t- need this many stoners to, on the I mic. I listen to Hell of Steve Day four hundred motherfucker. <laughs> I can listen to a long podcast episode. I just can't take that much of Joe Rogan. <laughs> I feel you. <ya. laughs> I mean, he asked Jesus interview style recently. It feels like watching clips of the Alex Jones one, and I watched the whole Doctor Phil one. That was fucking good. But I thought and David it, Lee Roth was uh, interesting on this episode because uh, he's always had uh, maintained. You you know this personality yeah. which is the david lee roth character that he kind of like you know ultimately became but embraced it and he's kind of used used it to get uh to get around and do whatever the fuck he wants with it really okay what whether it's going to japan and learn how to do fucking karate and shit like that and uh just trying out different things just because he chooses to he's like oh i'm gonna go into tattoo uh cream business or whatever just yeah. with no knowledge of it whatsoever and just to do it i think that's pretty cool though and that's kind of been his thing, and I wanted to get your take on uh, on that approach of uh, keeping your artistic side while going corporate. Huh. Well, I don't know. I, I don't. How how is he really defining going corporate? Where to? Where to? Uh, you know, just start a business as where where like a legit business. Yeah. Uh, but while still maintaining your, uh, uh, I guess. With David Lee Roth's case, his David Lee Rothness, and nobody's going to get mad about it, and he can get away with uh, doing whatever because he still has his charm and his personality attached to it. I would say that there's a fine line, but barely a line, between anyone being in a band and doing entrepreneurship that would eventually lead to a corporate entity. Yeah. Because let, let's take it all the way down to bare bone. Let's look at the punk rock community. That in and of itself is entrepreneurship. You know, they were yep. making their own T-shirts. That's they what were DIY their, is. Yeah. So on DIY by nature is entrepreneurship. So I really don't see that much of a disconnect between bands going out and doing ventures like that. So if David Lee Roth has a lot of very nice tattoos like that, that's not that much of a stretch for him to go, hey, after all this time of getting tattooed, I've right. got a cream that fucking heals this shit right. You know, I have the history. I have the knowledge. I've taken care of all these shits after all these years. I might know what I'm talking about. So check this shit out. And that's what he talks about. He just talks about uh, he, he spent a few years just wanting to learn how to be an EMT. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how cool would it be if uh, you're an 
getting hauled in an ambulance and you see David Lee Roth telling you it's going to be okay. <laughs> I know I told you to jump earlier, but. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, might as well. <laughs> I don't know. I would also kind of maybe pair that back with us doing the hate energy thing. Um, I wouldn't say that it's too far of a stretch for a band to want to do their own energy drink. Yeah. Um, especially a band that maybe promotes a high energy vibe like we do. Um, you know, we promote high energy fun. Uh, one of the things on that is, you know, high energy fun. Yeah, sure. You can go in an alcohol route with that, but then you're alienating your 21 and undercrowd. Right. And you would be very dumb to realize that some of your biggest listeners and supporters are going to be kids wanting some good music to be the soundtrack of their life. And a lot of older bands, I think, have that disconnect. They want to keep their uh, age group audience. And I, think, and I think that's totally reasonable. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, but, the, but you can tell there is a disconnect, I think, a little bit on that end of things. Would you say that it's a disconnect or an unwillingness to change? Maybe a little bit of both. And I think part of that, too, like the, the immediate group of musicians I think of are the 80s hair metal guys where they go out and do festivals and they keep their audience. That mm -hmm. And that diehard audience isn't going away, but they also have to do, you know, uh, side gig hustles and and uh, do session work and things like that, too. Because prime example, hey, contract, I'm contractually obligated at this point. Kiss is very good at grabbing a new audience. Yes. They, they are very in tune with what would be the way to get a new audience interested in us. They have the comic book geek culture aspect. Exactly to them. what you were saying earlier. So they've never been afraid. They are afraid of the ramifications of technology, but they've never been afraid of technology. It's just something else to adapt to. Because And they're willing to accept it, but they've accepted it in a way of like, um, they embrace streaming, but they embrace it to a point of going, because this is what people won't want, we're not going to record new music. So they'll still use it as a negative, but they still embrace it because they know they're going to reach a wider audience for it. Yeah. They just know there's no money in it, so they're not going to do it's, it. It's just the world that we live in, and that's what pe they have to do, but know how to extend that reach as yeah. well as possible too so maybe just to bring it back to what you're originally saying because i know i kind of tailed off from that no 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 this is what they this is kind of what they talk about i really don't see a big difference between that him wanting to do that now i would say if um but with certain uh audiences and communities too like he disciplined himself to look out for the audiences of his uh, of uh, karate or uh, this tattoo audience and things like that too i would say that's also extremely important um if so the only band I can really think of an example of right offhand would be Kiss again because they but do they do all the right things. Not necessarily. Not all the right well, things. Not all the but right enough. Things, but they do enough. I, I was just going to use them as an example of Gene has always been very forthright with saying, "I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't smoke, any of that shit." Yeah. Now, if he were to all of a sudden start pushing uh, his own brand of beer. That wouldn't be genuine at all. There's no Gene Simmons beer. There's no Gene Simmons wine. Yeah. That's that's a little different. So even though using Kiss as an example, and they may have had some alcoholic beverages in the past, I still think that um, 
if there was a Gene Simmons beer or a Gene Simmons wine or a Gene Simmons branded hookah smoking device, that he wouldn't be uh, have no shame in trying to ship the pump those at all either. I'm sure he wouldn't, but just using that as a comparison, I feel like that's a bit more disingenuous. Absolutely. Than David Lee Roth going, yo. I got a karate class for you, video training thing, or, hey, I've got some really good cream to help with your tattoos, or the fill-ins going, hey, we got a cool energy drink for you, because we drink it, we like it, you know? He's got that, he's got that work ethic, I think, and uh, rock and roll just happened to be one of the things he wanted to accomplish. You just have to support what you're doing. Exactly. That's all it is. If, if you, you're, you're supporting the music you're creating, so just make sure that you're just as genuine with it with your next entrepreneurship, because every little DIY punk is an entrepreneur, you just have to realize you are. And just figure out what your thing is too since he was david lee roth of van halen his per- and his personality never changed either he says uh, he also talks about on that line about how he never really had a phase but like you know kiss had fa- has phases bruce springsteen mm-hmm. yeah. bruce, well bruce springsteen never really has a phase either he's just always been, he's always looked the same and just sounded the same but like well, kiss when he definitely says phase had. when he what does he mean phase well like uh, uh say john lennon or something like that yeah. happy john lennon hippie john lennon mm-hmm. uh douchebag john lennon that yeah. kind of shit fat elvis <laughs> that kind <laughs> of thing elvis. yeah um i don't know i feel like if you don't have a phase maybe you're not growing yeah well yeah i guess in uh as far as artistically yeah probably and maybe he has had phases, but he doesn't really consider them phases. Uh, like just like John Lennon may not consider any of those necessarily phases, just maybe aspects of his life that were just poking out at different times. Right. I just thought that was an interesting take too. Because I, now thinking on it, you know, I've had phases. I guess that I could maybe categorize. I'm sure you have too. Oh, for sure. Especially we- when it comes to music taste. Yeah, when it was uh, just more narrow-minded when I was first getting into rock and roll and shit like that. Yeah, and you know, and I would say in the early 2000s, I definitely leaned more into horror punk and horror movies and monsters and everything else. But it's hard to say that it was truly a phase because look on my wall. I know, you still got all... You know, I still... It's all still cool and looks great. It's still very clearly a part of who I am. I still love horror movies. I still love horror punk. I still really dig all that stuff. I've, you know, I've got fucking, you know, Frankenstein stitches as tattoos you know that's still me but I'm not as engrossed in it I guess you know I'm not it's just fun it's just fun to have and look back and be nostalgic about it's not even really being nostalgic it's still part of me though it's not something I look back on nostalgia I mean I still genuinely look forward to new horror movies you know new monster movies I'm fired up about this new Godzilla movie oh yeah those things fucking rock so I really don't even look as a nostalgic thing because it's still who I am it's just I'm not in the thick of it anymore. It's just right. kind of maybe what you're saying, the narrow-mindedness. I'm not as obsessed with a specific Because we all had those times where we were obsessed with Star Wars and obsessed with Kiss. And every, and maybe that's a – I would consider that more of a phase. Because, hell, when those new Star Wars movies were coming out for Force Awakens, oh, my God. I know. It, the, the hype for Star Wars died quick after that movie. Because I would still, as a kid, get fired up about the prequels. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was excited for him at the time until I watched each one, but I was still a kid going, the next one's going to be better. So I was still hyped for each movie until seeing them. Oh, yeah, a new Star Wars movie. This will be fun anyway. And I was in semi-denial that the last one was halfway decent. I walked out of the theater going. Everybody thought that for a while, too. Yeah. (laughs) I walked out of the theater going, they finally did it right. They finally did it right. And then I watched it later and I went, they did it better. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that. 
that would be what I consider the phases, though, just being more obsessed and even and just like fine tuned and laser focused on a certain aspect of something. Interesting. So I guess uh, as far as the, the to use the David Lee Roth a little bit more as an as an example, uh, since he does do all these things, World Trap. There was I guess his phases would be uh, Rockstar David Lee Roth. World Traveler, David Lee Roth, fucking... And I would uh, say those would be phases. EMT so era, for, David Lee Roth, Howard Stern replacement era. Uh, so I I would maybe disagree with him on that. He's had phases, and you have to have phases to grow. And each one of those things he did helped him grow as a person. Yep. You know? Uh, he's kept a lot of uh, his principles to himself over the years, but as far as like achievements and things like that. Yeah. Just because he just set his mind to it. Yeah, so I'd say good on him. Well, that's about all I had this week. <laughs> all of that you had written down, and that's all the notes you had? <laughs> um, Yeah, we pretty much touched on all of this. Oh, he did bring up, this is kind of cool, actually. I like this uh, idea of preparation versus uh, performance, about like how re- rehearsals, nine times out of ten, can be uh, more fun than the uh, performance in front of an audience. I've often said that... Uh, and actually, hell, this this can kind of dovetail into a fun topic. I feel that sometimes at rehearsals, if there had been microphones there, we would have much better records. Yeah. Sometimes just the absolute m- magic happens during it. Rehearsals and practice when you're just fucking around and feeling relaxed. And then maybe when you're having to focus on it and you're thinking about it too much, that's when things start fucking up. Yeah. Hell, I'd say we had past drummers that would be like that. They would kill it during practice. And then lives like something would uh, something would go wrong. But that's just how performance is anyway. But it, it's always more anticipation leading up to it. And sometimes you have moments on stage where just shit just goes wrong somehow. And just like, well, we'll do it better next. I'm <laughs> like, looking forward to the next one. Like when my fucking amp takes a dive yeah. off the cabinet. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not, that was something you really couldn't avoid. Uh, I don't know, though. I, I, I do feel that maybe focusing too hard on the task at hand can sometimes cause you to miss some of the organicness. Yeah. Because during practice, you're really not focused on, I have to do this and I have to do this exactly right because people are watching me. You have a not, you're, you're comfortable in rehearsal. And I think sometimes that causes for a little bit more of a more fun environment. So I've kind of, been training myself to turn off the idea that people are watching us live and kind of get me in that mindset of this is just another practice right you know no one's here you know until the end of the song and you know people are there and you know of course i interact with people i I don't pretend the audience doesn't exist you kind of go and i'm putting on a show mode you're in pro wrestler mode not even well maybe yeah but but i look at it more as a you know for the moment that we're within the song I have to kind of put myself in the mindset of, you know, they're not there. Right. I interact. And of course, you know, I want them to be a part of it. Sing along, you know, I'm, I'm wrapping you into the show, but it's more or less a added element. If that makes any sense to what we're doing. Yeah, that makes sense. I would say the audience is an added fun element, and I have to almost pretend like, okay, well, they're not there. They're an added element and they're enjoying what we're doing. Just so I can focus and put on the best, performance i can uh yeah but but i guess but, you're, but it's still organic but phrasing and, it like that just makes it sound like you're ignoring the audience so but but i'm that's not definitely not what i'm doing because I, I you see real, on stage i'm i'm looking them straight interactive. In the eye. i'm I, interacting with them so it seems a little odd for me to say that but it's just the way i kind of car- 
compartmentalize it in my head. Maybe it's just in my mindset when I perform, especially if I'm playing more involved stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm always focused on like the drum patterns. But as far as uh, playing, uh, rehearsing, and practicing, it's more like what we were saying. It's more comfortable, and it kind of allows me to just try new things. It's hard to try. New, I try new things because I play bass with this kind of music a lot, <laughs> depending on the drum patterns and yeah. stuff like that too. Because every now and then, you know, drummers never play the same way twice. No. <laughs> so that's where my brain goes with the performance. Yeah. So I guess with me, it's just, you know, always do the best, always get people interactive. But I guess still in the back of my head going, be real. I guess maybe what I was trying to say on that is just I try to be in that same mind frame as if no one's there. Right. Maybe that's a better way to explain it. No, that makes sense. That's just, uh, I guess, different. What we're like we were talking about dreams, different brains, different mindsets. It's, it's, it's like the sing like no one's there mentality. Yeah. You know, you're, you're still performing for them, but you're singing like you're, there's no one there. You know, you're singing like you are in the shower. You know, maybe it's that kind of I guess it's, I guess it's just because I'm not a singer. I, I wouldn't say it's a singer kind of thing. I'd say maybe it's, I don't know. I, I definitely wouldn't say it's a singer. So I wonder if that's a different mindset with like a drummer, what he's thinking behind there. Yeah. I would say most. I would say most drummers are focused on the song. That's at yeah. least that's at least how I was. I, I, I'm the one time I played drums for Dirtbag Love Affair. Oh yeah, you did get behind the drums. <laughs> I, I did, fuck if there was an audience there. I couldn't tell you how many people were there. Just, I was so focused in on those songs. You're just like, I'm just gonna do this right and just yeah. get this over with. <laughs> Man, I, I, you you could have replaced Davey mid show and I couldn't have told you. I was focused in so hard on those drums, man. <laughs> I don't know. So, we, so kind of what I was talking about earlier with the um, with recording. How different has it been? Because we we've already told the listeners a few times you've been recording that album with uh, Kelsey. Yeah, this this is the first time you've really been doing maybe country recordings. This is my first. Yeah. Um, well, Steve, that's weird. Steve and I used to dick around with country riffs. Uh, this is a couple of years ago. We had this whole Charlie Daniels style fucking yeah. just three chord bullshit song about. Uh, getting stoned in a church parking lot. <laughs> oh, I remember that one. I remember that. <laughs> and we never finished it. And I've been talking about doing uh, this record for a year, for about a year too. And uh, but yeah. t- with uh, Tony, but Tony wound up uh, having a kid, and uh, he's got his hands full, and uh, doesn't have time for. Uh, he's a busy man. He with doesn't a have time lot for me outlets. anymore. He doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that was my first one. We're and gonna I'm be doing a- some stuff with him soon. No worries. <laughs> yes. So no, so with this being kind of the first time you're doing the uh, for country music, this but, is a, but for a professional level of it being actually released, it feels like it's just because I watch videos of uh, people like picking apart, uh, putting uh, how to layer guitars and stuff like that too, and just getting involved with the songwriting process. And I'm more of an arranger in this uh, project yeah. as opposed to like a songwriter. Well, I was gonna say the how how different is it though doing the. Uh, I wouldn't say acoustic, but more the country stuff versus all the rock and metal that you've recorded. Because do you, do you go into it in a different mindset? It can be depending on uh, what what the uh, song structure is. Like with pl- playing with uh, fill-ins, no power, no crown. Everything's pretty much ninety percent rehearsed before going in. Nobody yeah. comes in with something just off the fly. And we've been able to with these songs just because uh, she she has uh, great melodies on top of. Uh, three chord progressions so when you have music like that it's a little bit easier to uh, build from scratch yeah would you say that uh this is a little bit more rewarding recording it it is in a way that's because it's fresh and i've never done anything like this before 
Yeah, I've, I've always thought about that because we, we've done one acoustic recording before that was kind of flying by the seat of our pants. It was the uh, the felon stuff. Yeah. We did that, and that was real fun to do, but it, that almost kind of just, that almost felt like... That was us building a vo- uh, musical void at the time. Well, not only just that, but that also felt like we were... Um, we kind of just had a practice with microphones there and it turned out really good. That's just kind of how quick it went by and just how we did everything on that. Because we like country rock and shit like that too. Oh yeah. So, so it felt like recording that was just very different. That's why I was kind of curious on the whole Kelsey record because that, that just feels like an interesting dynamic. That and I was a guitar player first and I get to try out all different kinds of guitar pickups and uh, tones and <laughs> be really fucking nerdy about that kind of shit well see that's the shit i'm looking forward to with this next record because whenever we finally get to record again uh i finally want to be able to play around a bit more because it felt like with the first few records i was really getting the kind of guitars and everything that i wanted figured out and i finally got that gibson set up yeah you found your sweet spot yeah it's always takes you a long time to find your uh, what makes you sound good or what makes you think sound good and things like that too oh yeah so it's like once i finally figured that out now i'm wanting to be able to especially with the new stuff we've been writing it hasn't been as kick you in the teeth rock it's had a little bit more of a melody to it or maybe a little bit more of a groove to it or a little bit more craftsmanship to it we're I'm learning not- how we're, we're learning as a legit songwriters now we know how to arrange and because of that now i'm really looking forward to you know maybe using a different guitar for a whole song and stuff like that because man you picked up the scratch yeah i've been buying a lot of shit (laughs) (laughs) you picked up a scratch you picked up this uh i got this lap steel with a volume pedal it's fucking sweet i know man i saw you fucking playing that shit that see and that's the fun thing too is i'm looking at that going now i want to play more felon shows because there are songs where i'm like this fucker's playing the fucking pedal steel <laughs> instead of an electric and, and now i know bass players and drummers who to thunk it <laughs> would you say that's something that you would definitely uh, you're trying to get into though is I def- uh, the I session de- work i definitely want to be more involved with it i mean i've been kind of been doing it for free just off and on for the past few years and and it's only because I'm learning to build my craft on this kind of stuff, too. And that's why I did it for free, because I'm learning at the same time, too. Well, that's what you have to do. And, and see, and this reverts right back to what we were talking about with David Lee Roth, is every musician is an entrepreneur in some way. Yep. You know, now you're taking the thing that you're passionate about, which is, you know, making songs better, which is basically the... That's the job of a session musician, is you hire a session musician because you're like, hey, this is my song, but I need to make it better. And, and you hire this guy because you like his vibe and he goes, okay, I can make the song better. And it's then all boom. about building resumes and it's going to be very diverse because I've recorded hardcore. <laughs> I'm recording country. I'm going to make that hip hop record. Damn it. You've done some punk sounding stuff. You've done definitely rock. You've done a lot of rock. You've done yeah. covers. You've done originals. And and that's just kind of what you have to do to build up that resume. You know, no one started from, you know, the very beginning. Hell, Morgan and I were talking about this morning because she was talking about people that wanted to be in radio. And she goes a lot. And actually, we were mainly just talking about the overabundance. And of course, we're not helping with this. Right. But the overabundance of podcasts now have everyone and their brother has a fucking podcast. And I said, it's the same thing, you know, with, um, you know, musicians. As soon as technology was out there, everyone and their brother was in a fucking band. Every I com- said, it's no different than this. I said, there are people that will do it for a few months and then they're going to drop it and they're not going to pay attention to it anymore. But the people that genuinely enjoy doing it are going to continue on. And she goes, yeah, same thing happens in radio. She get because she wanted to be, uh, she wanted to get in radio for a minute. Um, but now she's about to start doing voice acting. Um, but 
That's she pretty, she would go, cool. people wanted to immediately hop in and have their own radio show. They weren't willing to fetch coffee for the host for a few weeks or, you know, yeah. do whatever. And then, you know, edit someone's show. And then maybe you would be third banana to a dual, a dual show on the station. Oh, I've, you done, know? I've done all the bitch work for radio stations and stuff like that, too. I've had... Paid it. I had uh, internships where I was doing that kind of stuff. And then right afterwards, I found out how ugly the radio business is when they got bought out and everybody got laid off. <laughs> but you but you still worked your way up to a, a co-host position and a host position on a show, though. I found, yeah, we found a, found a new way, a, a new medium where we can just do this ourselves. No, I meant do, on your radio show. You, you were a host on a radio show I, for a minute. That was actually just, uh, just doing college. I was still doing that on top of the internship. I never got a pro gig or anything like that. Oh, yeah. But still, it's like, but still, you you were you were still going through those right channels of being like, hey, I want to be in radio, so this is what I'm going to do to be able to get in radio. And a lot of people don't have that same drive, and the same thing has to go with whether anything. anything. You can't just immediately hop into it. You have to go, what are the steps to get there? You, you're not immediately going to sell a million records. You're not immediately going to get a job at the best radio position. You're not immediately going to be fucking teaching classes. You know, you have to pay your dues in one way or another and half the time you're gonna eat a bag of dicks for a long time <laughs> and brian just and i've heard this said you know by a bunch of different people but it's like you know no no one no no winner was not a, a loser, loser at one point <laughs> but actually to close this out uh that uh, uh, reminds me of something david lee roth said that was really funny where it's like everybody is somebody could somebody help me move this <laughs> And and that may be a bit of a crass way to put it, but it's still very true. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is a bit of a touchy subject too. But it's like everyone has to have their own lane. Exactly. So I don't know. I guess I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> David Lee Roth found his. <laughs> he found his. You find yours. <laughs> exactly. We're we're all seem to be finding ours. Yeah. Lately, it feels like it feels good. Yeah, I really am looking forward to um, getting him finally doing some recording stuff because so the be one thing that's been really taxing me is the fucking lyrics. Ain't that always a bitch? And then like the and uh, Kelsey, she just has lyrics for days, and I'm like, and I can't write songs for shit either. I'm sitting there going like, motherfucker. I, I, and that that's maybe always been my biggest uh, we're we guitar players. <laughs> yeah, I, I can think of some guitar riffs for fucking days man but as soon as it comes down to writing some good lyrics it's like and i hate that because it's like i there's so many of the songs that we've been writing that once i finish getting at least an idea of lyrics i can kind of help figure out where the rest of the song is gonna go right i i I, i'm always good with starting points lyric wise I just, I need a good starting point. Well, I've got starting points, but then I also go, okay, well, maybe is that too basic? Is that something that we've done before? Yeah, is that... that would drive me crazy. Every time I write something down, it's like, oh, that sounds douchey. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, I guess before we start boogieing on into what we've been listening to this week, uh, go ahead and maybe talk about some new releases that uh, have come out. Uh, last episode, we were pumping the new single from Andrew Evans, Missing California. Yes, definitely check that out. 
uh guys i i really can't say enough good things about the uh about the stir and andrew so if you if you enjoyed that song it definitely goes support him he's got the new record coming out here pretty soon support him and the stir yes and bad religion also released <laughs> yeah we're material. playing some of that uh before we started recording i enjoyed the hell out of that yeah so let's talk about that for a minute before we go into uh the rest of our music news uh in total they've released four new songs and uh, spreading starting... out really far yeah and i think like last week or yeah it was last week uh or really this week they released um technically another new song so like you said they they released four sporadically uh the first one was the kids are alt-right yeah and, men are bad religion they gotta have their uh, two cents on uh, yeah. that kind of stuff and then uh the song they follow up with that was the profane rights of man uh which kind of had a new maps of hell feel to it i liked it and I know that's awesome. Follow up to that was My Sanity, uh, which I thoroughly loved that song. And then the newest one was Chaos from Within, uh, which to me sounded like uh, Empire Strikes First era bad religion. When are they uh, talking about releasing it? Uh, that release date, they actually wound up posting that on their Instagram. That's how I wound up finding out about it, of all places, was through their Instagram. Huh. <laughs> that there was a new song out, so I was like, holy shit. So, and it kind of came out of nowhere, too, like on a Tuesday. It's like, surprise! <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, The Age of Unreason is the name of the new album, and it comes out May 3rd. Nice. So there's still a little bit of time left to get that, and it looks like, uh, checking their Instagram, that... Actually, that song that I really enjoyed, My Sanity, is going to be released as a record store day 7-inch nice. on April 13th. So, I know I'll be picking that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're That's just finding not this a guilty, out. That is not a guilty pleasure. You're, I will own the fact I like. You're just discovering religion. this as you're reading it, too, and just going like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, I am definitely getting that fucking single. No, it's a great fucking song, and I'm I'm probably playing it underneath here. I'm I'm trying to get a little bit more better. I'm trying to get more better. Get more get more better I'm with trying, your song I'm placements. Try, I'm no, trying to get more better with uh, my editing and my, the slickness of this episode. So now maybe when we start talking about new music, maybe we'll start putting some new music underneath it. <laughs> I like it. I like I liked it a lot in the last episode, yeah, and so. this one, and this episode, and this episode. Great. Now you've made. Now I have to fucking do it. <laughs> it works. It totally works. <laughs> Yeah, so if you're digging what you're listening to, definitely check out Bad Religion uh, and the four new singles. The only one I don't like is the kids are alt-right, yeah. only because, and I was talking about this earlier, is not because it's a political song. It's Bad Religion. They're going to do that. It's in their wheelhouse. I get it. It just feels like some of the... Okay, and maybe I'll even reverse back a little bit more. It's clever songwriting. It's right. It's, it, I'm definitely not comparing these guys to this band. Don't fucking dream my ass for <laughs> Say this. it. It's reminiscent to a Sex Pistols type of delivery, where Johnny was very sarcastic with his songwriting. Yeah, major keys. I'm not and... comparing Bad Religion to Sex Pistols. I'm comparing the song structure and the idea. Chill. If y'all get mad about that, y'all need to chill out. Or call the voice. Yeah, call the voice. <laughs> <laughs> So no, I'm not comparing them, but the idea is very similar. They kind of wrote a rally song for the alt-right. Right. Now, whether you agree with that or not, that's not what I'm here to do. But maybe some of the comparisons he was using in the song don't really um, fit with that uh, subculture. No. 
uh, a lot of the things that he was saying just kind of fit just a everyday person, you know? So, and that, that was maybe what kind of annoyed me on that is it feels like they were trying to just use political pop culture terms yeah. just in order to push just very, a idea. Just very, very unnecessarily aggressive narratives. Uh, ooh, here's a fun way to kind of wrap it back into something from earlier in the episode. Uh, it feels like they're focusing too hard on trying to cater to a new audience. Yeah, because that's, well, that's always, well, I don't know. They've always had that audience anyway. They've always had that audience, but it feels like uh, a lot of the terminology that was used in that song was a lot of buzzwords that were used from like. That nobody uses anymore. Yeah. On a regular basis it, by it, any means. It felt very dated almost now when you listen to it. It feels like if this was released like the month or two before Trump was immediately elected into office and the months after this song would have been extremely relevant with all the terminology and pop culture, everything being used now, but it feels like now listening to it, not even a year later after all that shit went down. It's like the political version of jive turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, it felt very contrived and there's been political songs of theirs that I like that you can still resonate with today. Yeah. And it, it feels like a lot five of good... years later, you're going to look at this song and go, they're pandering. I mean, there's a lot of good Vietnam songs, but that was a very significant event. Yeah, so ignoring that song, I really do enjoy the new stuff. <laughs> it takes so much time to criticize than it does to praise. Isn't it weird how that works? Hmm. Because well, David Lee Roth talked about that, too. <laughs> why is that? Because if you say, uh, hey, I like uh, Master, uh, Master, uh, Master of Puppets is my favorite Metallica album, period. Okay. Because I like the songs. I like the this, this, and this. I hate saying anger because of of uh, this, 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 and this, this drum sound, this guitar sound, the way this song was written, the arrangement here, the production, and da-da-da-da-da-da. You can write a term paper on, paper on why something sucks. Yeah, so why aren't we writing term papers on things that you like? I don't know. It's just like you you, you just did, uh, you spent a lot of time on that one bad religion song over uh, over uh, subject matter. You're right. I mean, I, I'm totally owning up to it. I, I totally did that. No, but it's just, no, no, no. It's not that it was a bad thing. It's like the, the, the opinion is valid and everything, too. It's just weird how it's just, it's just a just the weird thought that uh, was provoked no, that, by that, that same that podcast very, that, interview. No, that is a very good thought. And I kind of want to think about that a little bit because you're totally right. What did I just say earlier? I said that my favorite song on there was my sanity out of all the new songs. And, you, and, and I even sat here and went, holy shit. And they're even releasing that as a seven inch. I'm totally picking that up. I didn't even go into why I dug the song. But, exactly. But then I went to, but I don't like the kids are all right. Not because of the subject matter, but it feels very contrived. It felt very pandering. They, they, they write good political songs, blah, blah, there. blah. And then I started going on about it. Hmm. Maybe it's because when we say we like something, that sh feels like it's the automatic seal of approval. If that yeah. makes any sense, because you're going, I like this. I don't What's there more to explain? It's good. I like it. I don't need to think real hard on it. But maybe it feels like when people go, I don't like this, that immediately opens it up to a, well, why? 
because that's good. I like that. So maybe when you go, I don't like something, you feel like you automatically have to be ready you to have go. To explain yourself. This is why I don't like it because people automatically want to go, oh, well, you're just not liking something because it's cool. So you maybe have to pre-plan in your head and make sure there's actually a valid reason for you to not like it. It's weird how that works. But there's, but maybe you also justify it as there shouldn't have to be a valid reason for liking something. Yeah, nobody asks you that either. It's like, why do you like this? But then if they do, it's just I'll, like... I will. I'll fucking ask that all day long. Oh, yeah? I like dubstep. Why? <laughs> I just what is there to, to like? I just go, oh, well, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I just... But you're I right, though. I, I, I mean, I, I am semi-joking, but you're right. Uh as an overall, people definitely don't go why when you like something more. They will definitely ask why if you don't like something. Exactly. Hmm. Maybe it. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just brought the subject material because I was. I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm thinking on it and forgetting that I'm on mic where I can just say this out loud. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Um, yeah. But this, this is nothing I ever really think about. It's like I love. I love uh, say and. Uh, with the music that we're going to pull up is I just like this particular kind of uh, country rock right. that I've been listening to on a regular basis just uh, well, because then, it's cool. All right. It's well, good. Then, instead of us sitting here bitching about shit we don't like, how about we bust on in yeah. and f- dig into those Spotify playlists and figure out what the hell we've been listening to. It's so hard to describe. Let's challenge ourselves. That's right. And talk about why we like it. <laughs> Give me that intro music, Hank. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. Yeah, because that's serious. I mean, we look at the title of this fucking show, something good for you. Um, I mean, I would also say that explaining why you don't like something would be good for you. And that also maybe gives other people a different uh, way of thinking about things. Thinking about things a different way is also something good for you. But in the spirit of this show, how about we find some shit that we really do like and tell you to check it out. So then you can come back and tell us that it's not good. Right. <laughs> also that. So Cap, what you've been listening to this week, sir? Man, trying to get uh, shift gears from uh, doing country music to a uh, new fill and stuff. I've been listening to country super suckers quite a bit. Ooh, yeah. And uh, I've been playing a lot of that kind of uh, guitar style that's on uh, Must Have Been High. Mm. On that album in particular, just those little droney spaghetti t- uh, western uh, Telecaster drones. It's I love interesting. that kind of shit. That's interesting. I love Super Suckers, and I really enjoy the uh, country stuff. I couldn't really get latched onto that album. There's a handful of songs I like off of it, definitely. Um, but I, when I think Super Suckers country, I honestly think the Eddie Spaghetti solo material and then holding the bag. For some reason, Must Have Been High never gets that much rotation for me. The only reason I've been revisiting this one so much is because I don't half the time. I I think um, Holding the Bag's a better album. Yeah. But I like the guitar tones that are all over uh, Must Have Been High, and I was having that approach. She's listening for things like that. Oh, yeah, man. I, I use music all the time. to Not songwriting, but I listen to stuff to get inspiration for, ooh, I like that guitar tone. What could I do with that tone? And some of those 
and just one of those brand of guitars and uh, effects that are just instantly recognizable if you're really into this kind of shit, like Telecasters with tremolo and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, man. Well, this week I've actually wound up going back a little bit more and um, started, uh, since we were talking about old jobs and everything, uh, it reminded me that when I worked at uh, this one bar down in Noda uh, with the original uh, kitchen manager that we got along super well together, Every morning we had breakfast shift together. He had a two CD mix oh, of yeah. one band. Oh God, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh God, that's 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 great though, because like all yep. of their songs are good. And so anytime I hear CCR, all I think about is waking up. To me, CCR is the soundtrack of Get Your Day Started. That's a good fucking uh yeah so because, that makes sense. So because of that, thinking back on, I've been just I've been listening to a lot of CCR again this week. You know, someday never comes, uh, Lodi, and it's just you know shit that doesn't get played on the radio as much either. You know, looking out my back door, I think that that song is fucking great. And looking out my back door, have you really paid attention to the lyrics of that song? Oh, he was like tripping balls right there. Dude, those holy shit! <laughs> and that's what I love Dinos- about this shit. Dinosaur cartwheels. Oh, was it, oh, it something wearing high heels? I forget the lyrics, yeah, the, but just um, goofy shit like that. Um, tambourines and elephants are playing, are playing in, in the, the band. band. It's like, oh yeah, dude, he is tripping on some shit. Hey, he was Woodstock <laughs> Generation. He was all about it. And that's what I love about it. It's, it's such a happy little, you know, song. But it's like, dude is like not on this fucking planet. And the songs are, and the melodies are still so fucking good, though. It's like rock and roll Hank Williams. And uh, one of my other favorite ones of theirs, of course, up around the bend, um, Social Distortion actually yeah, did a really version. cool cover of that. I know Social Distortion. Maybe that should be my guilty pleasure. Everyone hates that <laughs> fucking band. Why does everybody hate Social D? Because Mike Ness. Yeah, like, he's, he's, he, he he wants to be his own version of like Bruce Springsteen mixed with fucking um, oh like Johnny Thunders or whatever. Yeah, and it's just it's that California. It, it, ooh, here's a good couch potatoes one. Another state of mind. <laughs> we get to That's watch Mike the, Ness uh, primping himself in the mirror when he was like glam as fuck yes, in the early eighties. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be a good one. I don't know. That social distortions has kind of done a, some things to kind of make themselves laughable that makes sense so but i think they did a good version of up around the bend and i really like ccr so that's what i've been listening to this week uh, even though john fogarty can be a whiny little butthole he can't dude <laughs> he's on my bucket list though what to kill <laughs> Kick the bucket what? list. <laughs> I'm, I'm just and you're going like what bucket list oh just like concert bucket uh, bucket uh, list okay, i got you what what was uh, I guess just kind of maybe finish off this episode since we brought it up. What was all that shit that went on with John Fogarty? Why is he so hated? Because um, I've heard he's just such a... He's a yeah, that he's, I heard that he's, he's just, just an a, asshole. He's just a terrible boss. I just you're, You don't hear ex, uh, explicit details, but there's always just an air with people in interviews, like the way they talk and body language and mm-hmm. how it's just kind of mentioned here and there through people yeah. in the industry and shit. Yeah, I guess we'd have to pull up the internet for that, and I don't feel like doing that shit right now. <laughs> yeah. We don't feel like digging we're, that deep right now. We're not investigative journalists. You're grown-ups. We're edutainers. Exactly. Y'all are grown-ups. Y'all have Google. 
uh, we just talk out of our ass and expect you to not take everything we say at face value. <laughs> <laughs> We're just two knuckleheads in a band with a podcast. That's right. And this has been the Something Good For You podcast. I hope listening to this was a little something good for you. If you got something to share with us, throw the hashtag Something Good For You on Instagram and Twitter. And while you're over there, give us a follow at Something GFY. And if I've told you once, I told you again. And I'll tell you every single fucking episode, we've got a voicemail hotline number. And that number is 513-463-7439. Call it any time of the day, any time of the night. And we have shows. And we have shows. Cap, what shows we got lined up? We're playing uh, March 23rd in Green- That's right. In Greenville, South Carolina, for the South Carolina uh, Punk Flea Market, and in April. And actually, real quick, don't fly by that. The uh, Punk Rock Flea Market. Uh, that's yes. Gonna, uh, that is an all-day event. Yes, and, and we're the after, and uh, we're the uh, music after the event. That's right. The event itself is free, uh, so definitely remember that we wind up playing, you know, a little bit later on in the day, but. You can always come on by and come hang out with us throughout the day because I think you were saying that we get a table or something over there. We get a table and we get to uh, sell some shit. Yeah, so we'll be there all fucking day. It starts up at 12 uh, and there's going to be vinyl, vintage clothes, toys, taxidermy. uh, I'm going to spend all my goddamn money. Horror and B movie memorabilia. All the good shit there. It's an all-day event at the Ferment. Firmament? Firmament, yes. Firmament? God damn, y'all. <laughs> so yeah, and the music starts up at 8, and we got Fixed Faces, the fill-ins, Italio and the Passions. It's going to be fucking great. And it's only 5 bucks in advance, 10 bucks at the door. So if you're smart, save yourself an extra cool 5 bucks. It's basically buy one, get one free ticket. You're going to yeah. be bringing a friend with you. So if you purchase in advance, you're saving some money at the door. This is going to be cool as shit. And they've been doing this for a little while, uh, and it seems to be... Uh, real successful Any, anywhere it happens that's usually like a good uh, community so come on out, come out and have some fun with and us and I think it's the first time they're actually doing a band uh, they're yeah. doing any music it's an after party so yeah and the second show we've got lined up is on uh, April 19th we're playing with Walburns Bless the Dead and War Boys that's right Bless the Dead is out of Atlanta uh, Buck wound up hooking us up with them a really cool metal band out of Atlanta I know Mikey's gonna dig them a good bit when he hears them and of course you guys know the Walburns they were on the show we've been promoting the music Losing Signal we'll so, probably have them back on the mic here before too long oh yeah cause I know they've been churning out and getting ready to release some new music so I am sure they'll be ready to come back and talk about I that get, I wanna get uh, War Boys on too at some point oh yeah and then speaking of this show we're doing with them they've been doing a lot of cool shit over at Repo Record they just had a show over there so for us to be able to share the stage with them April 19th at the Milestone is gonna be fucking sweet mm-hmm. and that show is 18 plus so you gotta be over 18 to get there and it's only six dollars motherfuckers so come on have some fun with us and that's our first fucking charlotte that's going to be our first local show since halloween probably yeah so our first (laughs) local show since halloween is going to be in april so it's getting a little scarce to see us so if you want to come see us come see us now let's have some fun y'all let's have some fun cap do you have an outro for us everybody is somebody somebody get me a beer Perfect. Well, listen up. 
talking about on an outro <laughs> i was like going through my head like leading up to it I was like what's a good somebody thing all right cool. <laughs> good job sir yay all right all right y'all quit bitching we're done <laughs> this has been another amazing production from the cult of dave podcast network everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.